Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more shelf stories. Yo, my peoples, what's up? Welcome to Shelf Stories, the channel that tells tales from games, books, and life. I am your host, Jason. Thank you so, so much for joining us for this. I don't think I've ever done this before. Uh, <laughs> uh, for many, many different reasons, um, but this is a Kickstarter autopsy. We are going to go post-mortem on a Kickstarter that was pulled. This was not an unsuccessful Kickstarter, this was pulled. Uh, and I have the man behind that project who has been the public face of the project. It is Bloodstone. It was pulled last week, late last week. We're recording it on Monday, posting on Wednesday. So this is hot off the presses, people. Uh, <laughs> I am hoping that Mr. James Hudson of Druid City Games and Skybound Games has a little, had a little bit of time to process, and he's going to continue that process with all of us here in the chat. So welcome to the show, James. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's still it's still raw, you know. It's still, still raw. That's still still a fresh wound that we just ripped the bandaid off of. So <laughs> it's uh, you know, you you're gonna get the raw version of it, I guess. Okay, I mean, as close to it, but you've done this before. Like, I mean, you've done streams and AMAs, and sure, yeah, like yeah. you have been on the public facing thing. And I'm I'm excited about this because it's just a different dynamic. Like, you're gonna have right. a person that's gonna be like, and I'll be perfectly transparent. I just want to um. Like, I just want to let the audience know what this is, you know, because this is the first time, <laughs> you know. Um, so this is a postmortem, right? And the reason I wanted to do this was because I think that it's a really great opportunity for gamers to kind of level up their knowledge of the process and what's happening. So like, you know, we successes are great, but like, you know, this is where you learn right? This is where you learn as a publisher. This is where we learn as, as backers and as creators. I was a backer on Bloodstone. I will 100% transparency, 100% transparency on this show. Uh, and I was considering withdrawing my pledge because of things that I was seeing. So I wanted to share that with you. So that's the number one thing we wanted to accomplish here is transparency. I think that's something that you have tried very hard to bring about in your, uh, in yep. your communications. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you're going to make a decision like this, you know, I think hiding behind uh, your your laptop is not the way to go, right? Like you you've got to explain to people why this is happening, you know. Right. So, okay. So then that's number one. So there's a transparency aspect here. I will try to be as honest as I can. You know, I I have read comments. You know, in Board Game Revolution, at Outstanding Thread, Reddit, Twitter, a bunch of places have done pretty good. You know, kind of thinking through this. Not that I've agreed with every comment. Uh, but you know, and some of them are misinformed, but that's kind of the part of the process, you mm -hmm. know, and I think the spirit in which I want to present this is, and I'm going to show the graphic up here right now, bam. So then the graphic is a Nelson Mandela quote. There is no fail. You win or you learn. Mm -hmm. And I've seen you say that a couple of times in public. So I feel mm -hmm. like you are also uh, on that train, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I've, uh, I, not I that you like failing. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, if you're in business, failing is part of doing business. You know, uh, if you're an inventor, you're a creator, failing is going to be a part of what you do. Um, I think it's it's not so much if you fail, it's how you respond to failure. And, um, you know, what we hope to do is just, you know, really take this experience and learn from it, which we have. Like, there's no doubt that we have lessons from this. And people will say, well, James, you know, this is like you've done 11 Kickstarters. You shouldn't be uh, in this point. And that some of that's true. You know, some of the things that we did, uh, you know, mm -hmm. maybe we thought we were too big for our britches. Maybe we did get you a good Southern saying in there. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe, right. Maybe. Mm -hmm. But I think 
more so we were just trying to do things that we had never done before with like Kickstarter only. And we'd never done a project of this size and this scope. And uh, when you're sometimes when you're out of your depths, you make mistakes and then you have to kind of pull back in, you know, I don't, we don't do the same exact type of like, we're not, and this is not a knock on anybody, right? This is not a knock on uh, Gamelin games, but you know, they always do tiny epic, whatever. And it's the same price point for the most part. And, and like they, when you come to that project and I've got a whole cube on my Calyx dedicated to tiny epic, I love their games and Scott Elms, mm-hmm. but you know what you're going to, you know what you're walking into, you know what the price is going to be. And we were doing something different and much different. And uh, we had some lessons to learn. Yep. So that's the spirit of this talk where I am going to be as honest as I can. Uh, I consider James a really good dude. So it's not come like here like savaging him, but at the same time, uh, if you watch one of his streams, I was actually really heartened by this. Uh, you mentioned an interaction that you had with uh, man vs. meeple mm-hmm. and you had brought the game over to them at an early stage and they said that it sucked and you took that, you know, and that was a good thing. Well, <laughs> I eventually took that. Uh, at first it was tough. That was, that was the title blade story. And that was Tidal Jeremy. Blade, Jeremy just, uh, Jeremy Salinas was just like, he's ruthless, man. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, he told me later, he was like, you know, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be ruthless if I didn't, if I didn't care. Right. He's like, if I thought you weren't going to listen, he's like, you know, I'd be like, Oh, that's fine. And let you go on about your way, making your mediocre game. He's like, but you know, he knew, he knew, he knew my heart and passion. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'm not, I don't think I don't anticipate being that savage, but I, at the same time, I think that people do have legitimate concerns that I would like to put in a, as unvarnished a uh, position as possible. So I'm just going to go right for it. Um, So the bloodstone is the project. We are going to get into the actual project of bloodstone, but I think that there is a meta conversation happening. And I want to hit that directly of, canceling a funded project Mm -hmm. and not only so here's the circumstance right in case people aren't familiar bloodstone is a very large you know arena combat game pvp pve got minis you got all sorts of stuff right and then it was a pretty expensive game for the all-in package Mm -hmm. about 200 bucks american so then what happens was it's a it it was a hundred and fifty thousand dollar goal right yep raised three hundred thousand dollars relatively quickly Mm-hmm. Uh, and then dot dot dot, and then it was pulled. So then now you have the 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 I don't even know what to call it, but like that that kind of questioning skeptical element in the fandom going, mm-hmm. wait a minute, wait a minute. That's I'm gonna call foul on that one. Mm-hmm. How could you pull a funded project? What is the point? of putting a goal in the first place if you're just going to pull it at twice your funding you must have a secret goal that you did not meet and therefore because you hid stuff from us you pulled it and you're trying to give us this whatever excuse so then uh, that's kind of the the tenor of the conversation i'm sure you've had uh comments along those lines oh yeah sure for sure um so then on the record on the record did you have a secret goal behind the goal that you did not meet no 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 and 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 that cross your heart hope to die cross my heart hope to die did i expect the campaign to do better sure i mean i think i think everybody in the back of their mind goes i think this campaign will do this or i think this campaign could do this and you know i I think everyone saw that from the 48 hour unlock that we had that we expected the campaign um you know to do to do pretty well i mean i thought you know i've been working on this for five years right like i i thought it would have done further but because we made a mistake in our 
uh, content or, you know, your value proposition is if you want to get technical, right? The stuff for the money. Right. We were off there, right? And everybody called that out. And so it's one of those things where, you know, Kickstarter doesn't allow you to change your pledge levels. Like I can't, we couldn't go, I mean, we could keep unlocking things and adding, but we couldn't say, oh, we found a way to save $20. So let's bring it, you, you can't do that. So mm-hmm. at the point that you find any way to, rest- or you want to restructure things, it's a, it's a pull the plug and start over situation. Um, so actually I'm going to pause right there because you met your goal. Like sure. at the end of the day, you met your goal and Absolutely. you know, when, uh, when somebody's backing and we'll talk about backers in just a second, but like, in, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and cause there's, there's backers and then there's backers, right? <laughs> there's like, cause you have your super backers and we'll sure. talk about the super backers in a second, but then you have the people that are just like curious. It's like, they post on Facebook and they say, Oh, is it, what is, should I back this and blah, blah, blah. And like those people from that perspective, they say, Oh, funded project throwing some money in, no problem. I'm going to get a game, right. aren't I? So right. is it shenanigans that you're able to just pull a project like that? I mean, I've never done it before. So, you know, this is the first time for us too. So let's just <laughs> preface it with that. You know, I'm still, right. we're working our way through this as well. I, I don't think so. I'm open to being wrong, but here's, here, here's, here's where we're at, right? Sure. At the end of the day, we want to make the best projects not just game right and so did we meet our funding goal that would have allowed us to have a minimum order quantity with our manufacturer yes but i would argue that's only one piece of a bigger pie that we have to consider when we're making a project and whether people want to you know however jaded or cynical people want to frame it it was obvious that we were missing in some areas that some, something was off, right? Mm-hmm. Because we did, we got up to like 275 and then it flatlined and then actually went backwards a couple thousand dollars, like a couple mm-hmm. days in a row. And that's never happened with, with any of our campaigns before, even in the, in the early days, I never had anything like that happen. And so it was one of those things that was like, whoa, you know, red flag internally, we've missed something here. You know, what we're putting out is not jiving with the community. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think we were looking at mutiny uh, toward the end. Uh, everybody, the momentum dying, the uh, um, the way that we had built out our stretch goals and our reveals and our non-stretch goals, but just our daily reveal. Mm-hmm. You know, we leaned very, very heavily into the lore of the world and the and the book and some of the things that we built there. And we, you know, we had to take our lumps there that people weren't interested in that. Um, mm-hmm. We'll get to all that, believe me. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of those things where, you know, people say, well, it was a hidden goal. Like, no, it it really wasn't. It's just more along the lines of like, are are our fans happy with the thing that we're making? They're obviously not happy. So are we, do we become pigheaded and take our pride and say, well, we're just going to, you know what, they should, they should see it the way that we see it and just they'll, they'll get over it, you know, and we just press forward. Or do we go, do we swallow our pride admit that we were wrong and made some mistakes and we pull it down, restructure things and come back again. So I would argue, that, I, yeah. I would just argue that that was the harder decision. Sure. Does that happen though? I mean, you're obviously I have an insider's perspective mm-hmm. and I think that, you know, this is not the first time that a big project has kind of like gotten, gotten pulled down. You mentioned Gameland Games. Gameland Games did try a bigger project and they ran into like, they, they took a lot of flack for the first launch of Heroes of Land, Air and Sea Mm-hmm. never done it before and they you know they, they, it was funded but like barely and they pulled in and people were like you didn't hit your secret goal 
Um, and I, you know, I asked him, I asked uh, Michael Coe about it on the show a couple of years ago. He says, no, there was no secret goal. Same thing. But there's that. And is there, does that happen with companies where mm-hmm. there is a goal behind the goal and that they're not sharing with the, I don't think so. I don't think so. And and here's, here's why Um, we don't know what a game's going to do until it's actually in people's hands and they respond to the gameplay. I mean, let me look at Isaac with Gloomhaven on his first campaign. He didn't know what he had. He had no idea (laughs) until people, and he's, and some would argue that he's lucky because what he charged for shipping uh mathematically probably didn't make sense he's probably really lucky that he had such a big hit on his hands that it, the second time through it didn't matter right it was just volume for days right but you don't know what you have really until people play your game and you know in our case this is probably a side story i don't think we did a good job of communicating the experience of the game through our kickstarter which is another thing that uh it seemed to make itself apparent within a few days of being up you know people having questions and we're like yeah that's we don't, I was in this weird place where the player experience that I wanted to deliver mm-hmm. was something that I didn't want to spoil with how it happens. Right. But then also, if you don't tell people you the exciting people thing, something. right? So it was this weird, like, I didn't do a good job. I, I leaned too heavy into like, well, we'll just, we'll just, you know, give them breadcrumbs along the way so that they, when they get the game, they're going to have this incredible experience. Mm-hmm. But then people were like, no, tell me about the game now. So I'm justified in spending. I really think had we gotten the content and the proposition value closer, people mm-hmm. wouldn't have been nearly as upset about a lot of the other things that were happening in the campaign. Right. But since that big elephant in the room was like dominating everything, then all right. this just this uh, waterfall effect was happening mm-hmm. in lots of other areas. So then, um, and, and again, I'm trying to keep the conversation not not so much focused on Bloodstone because I want this to be instructional, right? Sure. I, I really do think that a lot of folks feel like that once, like the weight, that, that, that should be possible, right? It should not be possible once you fund something that then that's it. Like you fund it and you know that you have, you have communicated something to the people that mm-hmm. like, I need this money to make this game. When I make the, mm-hmm. when I get the money, mm-hmm. make the game. And when you when this happens, it kind of has this overall corrosive effect in the community that like, you know, I, you know, I, I'm not, like, when I put my money down on a game, I'm not getting a game. I'm getting like all sorts of like stuff. And I got to think I got to this. And it's like, mm-hmm. people just want that kind of simple. And, and um, the way that Kickstarter is built, it kind of like almost encourages that mindset. Mm-hmm. It's only one thing goal. It doesn't say like what you said before, like minimum viable product. Right. Right. Like if it right. said minimum viable product, maybe people have less of a thing because then, well, I want more than a minimum viable product, but like it says right. goal and there's, yeah. it, it's a binary the way the Kickstarter presents it. So I'm wondering if uh, that has kind of factored into some of the, some of the uh, misunderstanding. Well, and, and this sort of thing doesn't happen very often, right? Like, so that's the other thing is like, you know, how you can probably count on one hand, two hands, the times that funded goals have canceled. And, you know, the thing I would just push back and argue against and, and debate, and I think it's I think it's up for discussion, at least, is that, you know, we're, we're a crowdfunding experience gives you the opportunity to present your idea, your project to the world. Right. Your heart's on a platter. People take their mallets, <laughs> smash it to, to a thousand pieces. Um, and so it's a thing where, like if you see something that's not as good as it could be, 
you haven't made it yet. That's what's great about crowdfunding. You get that instant feedback. It's not like when we make a retail product and we put it out and people go, oh, this sucks. I don't want it. Well, that, that sucks for us. We made 10,000 of them and they're sitting in our warehouse. You know, We have the opportunity to change it. And trust me, I had a very difficult internal conversation at my company when I was like, I really think we should cancel. And here's why. And it's this, this was my leading point. We right now have the opportunity to fix the things that the community is asking us to fix. Should we do that? We can. Uh, will it will it benefit us? Will we will will we get three, four, eight times as much funding the next time we do it? I have no idea. That's the thing about Kickstarter and in business. You never know until you hit that button what you're gonna get. Right. And so, it just really boiled down to we have the opportunity to hit the pause button and realign some things with this feedback, you know, and that's what we and chose I to guess do. The, the, the community thing is going to be, should you have that opportunity? Is that, you know, should, once, once you launch, is it, is that done and done? And Jason, I wanna... let me ask you if, if we would have hit the pause button at one forty nine nine ninety nine, So it technically wasn't, what do you think the, the, the feedback would be any different? No, it would be the same, right? If we technically did or didn't fund. Uh, I mean, I'm even seeing like I remember Quad Heroes is a great one from Ryan. Um, he was approaching funding and he just took, a, you know, took a lot of the feedback and, and canceled the campaign and came back and fixed things. And it was a better game. At the end of the day, I, I mean, I'm in the I'm in the business of making really great games, you know, and if uh, and I've never been punched in the teeth quite like Bloodstone, even with our first game, you know, and so it was like we need to, we need to take a, we need to take a pause. We need to take a time out here and get this fixed because I just, mm -hmm. when the thing gets to you, Jason, I want you to open that box and I want you to have that wow moment. And I know people who got like, you know, say title blades or sorcerer city or wonderlands war, which we're about to finish and get into production and start shipping. I want that same experience. I never want this to fall off. And so, you know, we kind of got called out that this is, this wasn't right. meeting our previous expectations mm -hmm. And I'd rather just take it on the chin right now and, and get it fixed. Okay. So, I mean, uh, again, in the interest of transparency, uh, I, I know, and I'm trying to represent some voices, right? I'm trying to represent sure. some voices that are saying that this is, this is shenanigans, right? Like you should not be able to pull a funded project. It just is corrosive in the community. I actually don't agree with that. My, um, I, I want, like, I love what you said in one of the streams where it's like, okay, uh, this game is good enough, but I don't want good enough. Right. I do. I want great. And I want companies like pers me personally, I would like for companies to shoot for great. And so if your project has funded, but it's, it's like, it's only good enough. Like I, I have plenty of good enough. <laughs> right. It's going right. to all over the place. Like I want companies to shoot. I want to start shooting for great. And I think like the problem isn't necessarily to kind of like shame companies into like you must produce your game as if like you know they're like five-year-old kids who took uh the wrong plate of dinner and it's like no you took it you must eat it you know that that's what it seems like that's what i hear yeah. when i hear people doing that it's more like i think there's something wrong or that could be challenged about the way kickstarter structures the presentation yeah it's it's one of those armchair quarterback hindsight's 2020 things right like it's easy after something to pick it apart and go well they did this wrong they did this wrong it's much harder on the front end to say, I need to present this vision to the world. And then, you know, as a creator, it's easy to get your blinders on. Like I had fell in love with this lore. I'd fell in love with writing the book with Ari. Mm -hmm. Like 
loved it, love it. But I'm also a high fantasy nerd. So like this stuff is, you know, mm-hmm. it's easy. And I, and I do this, we talk about this a, a good bit when we're designing because sometimes we can't separate ourselves objectively from our design because you fall in love with the process of designing. And so your output, what you've made on the table, you can't objectively look at it and say, is this fun? Because you're so enamored with the process of making it, right? It's really hard to separate those two things. And so that's why you have to have outside playtesting because even with people who don't know you, because you need that feedback like Jeremy gave me to say, this sucks and it's broken because of this, 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 and this. And you're like, right, well, that, that makes my ears burn. I'm, I'm feeling all the feelings right now. <laughs> and uh, it's very similar to, to, to the content creation. And, you know, the reason that some of us get good at doing this is because we just do it a lot. You know, you right. do it over and over and over and you learn the things that the market want. And, um, you know, in this case, I, I just, I lean, I lean too heavily into one aspect of this project that did not resonate with, the majority of everybody else. And, okay. and that, that yep. change will be, you know, that'll be a big part of the changes that we implement. And that is why you cancel it. They did not cancel it because they did, they, they did meet their secret funding goal. At least that is the official story. <laughs> I mean, I'm uh, never going to be able to convince people right. who've already made their minds up about that. And that's fine. You know, those people probably wasn't, there's probably a big majority of those people that weren't back in our games anyway. You know, they've, I know I've got, I've got a group of people who hate me because of my politics and I've got a group of people who hate you know, people hate people for lots of reasons or don't follow them for lots of reasons. I can't affect those people. Um, mm-hmm. All I can say is that we want to make the very best thing. And when you give me $200, I want to give you something that you are enamored with, something that will never leave your collection. Mm-hmm. You, you know, that's that's my goal. Now, whether I hit it or not, that's up to us. But I could clearly see we were not going to hit that high standard. So why not? stop and fix it we have the time it i mean i don't know <laughs> yeah I mean, we'll get into it i mean i just like for me i think the the i the, the problem isn't necessarily p- pulling the game it's that just, it's the way the kickstarter is structured kind of creates expectations about yeah. like you know what funded means like it like funding is a minimum goal it's not funding sure. is not the threshold funding is not the finish line funding is like the first like if we're talking about a race, right? The funding is like the first hurdle. If you want to make a great game, it's sure. about the finish line. And I think that the way Kickstarter presents it is the finish line. That's a problem. So I might uh, do a separate uh, video on kind of Kickstarter expectations and all that. Yeah, you're definitely right there because I mean, I'm, I do know that there are plenty of uh, of companies and part of their strategy is to uh, put a lower funding goal than what you actually would need so that it funds faster and that builds momentum. But right. that that's also part of the Kickstarter platform right like they've part of their algorithm I, I i'm not really sure the science behind it but like the faster you fund the, the more you more get that presented. kickstarter select yep that you get it, that uh because people don't understand that right because people they, it's cynical like you see the comments like oh they're just trying to get funded in 15 hours it's like well they have to get funded 15 hours because that way it'll be like a kickstarter select game and yeah. that matters because it'll float up to the top of the algorithm, fast funding, Kickstarter incentivizes this. The, the Kickstarter company and the, the way they structure the website incentivizes some of this stuff. And no. I think, I think it, it, this is probably a perfect conversation for this, uh, but like it, we as consumers want to be a part of things that are successful and we're drawn to things that have momentum and right. we fall away from things that don't have momentum, you know? Um, and so as, you know, Bloodstone hit this this plateau 
you know, I feel like we had people jumping off the boat, not because they didn't have, they necessarily have a problem with our offer. They just saw the momentum slow and they're like, Oh, I don't want to be on a sinking ship. I'm out too. You know, and it, <laughs> some people it, back, they, they back for the same reason. They back because they see it, mm-hmm. uh, they, it's funded. Mm-hmm. And now they're jumping ship because they, they haven't even looked at the page. <laughs> and that, that was the hardest part was explaining it to folks. Cause there, there are different types of people who use Kickstarter in different ways, right? Like, so there's people who come in, they comment every day. They read every single update. They have a comment on the update. You know, they, they're informing backers in, who ask questions in the comment section. Then you got other people who come in, they check it out, they drop their pledge money and they never look at another thing again until it says, when, when do you need my address to send me the thing? Right. And so the people in that second category were the ones that were most confused because they hadn't been a part of the conversation of all this, like, well, we didn't see anything wrong with it. So why, why did my money get returned? You know, that sort of thing. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, so, I mean, I hope that I've I'd kind of identified and uh, presented as many people's perspectives as possible. Like you said before, you're not going to convince everybody, but just the best you can do is just have an open conversation about that. I think that further education needs to be had about Kickstarter in general, and I'll work on it. Um, but let's, so let's get to Bloodstone, right? Sure. That Let's get to Bloodstone. And you have definitely articulated what I feel are the two main reasons for background happiness at the end of the day background happiness is what is this is why it got canceled not because of meeting unmeaning not being a goal not because of you know uh i wish i was this i wish i was that the backers were not happy period Point sure. i mean story. i mean uh if if the campaign would have 300 400 000, that's all it would have gotten i'd have been happy with that if everybody else was happy with it right like right. Uh, sure. Would I, would I love to have a $13 million campaign like Frosthaven? For sure. Who wouldn't? Um, <laughs> would I like a three and a half million dollar Awakened Realms pro? Sure. Who wouldn't? But end of the day, like if the 3000 people that were in on board were happy with what we were making, I'm happy delivering that. Um, because I have confidence in the game that I've made that once people play it, they'd be like, oh, this game's dope. And here's why. And then it would have legs in future in other ways, you know, with mm-hmm. a second edition or, I mean, I've got three games planned in the Bloodstone line. So, you know, all I need is, all I really want is a successful launch to start seeding that IP and seeding the game mechanics. And so, no, I, I would have been totally happy with that, but who wants to go forward with something that even the people who are on the ship are saying, mm-hmm. this doesn't seem right. And I was talking about like the two levels of backers, right? And I want to familiarize my audience with that super backer because I think there's a lot of people that don't get that. Like a super backer is so much more than a consumer. A super backer is basically an investor, right? Mm -hmm. And like Kickstarter kind of, here's another reason to kind of critique Kickstarter. They've created that kind of like weird hybrid. You're like a consumer investor kind of thing. And it, it's like weird because they're, they're kind of investors, but they, they don't have the legal protections, blah, blah. There's all sorts of stuff going on, right? However, the, I think the only way to really think about the super backers as an investor, and they're looking at it like, a, you know, looking at your own stock portfolio, yeah. like they are looking at this, mm-hmm. right? And there are sure. people who are looking at, and, and looking at those comments, like I said, I was following along the entire time. Looking at those comments from the super backers, they had what I think were two main, you know, problems. And one of them said, you've hit it right in the head, is that value proposition. Mm-hmm. So then maybe talk a little bit more about what, that's a very jargony term, like value proposition. So like, you know, we, we don't get into, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm putting out 200 bucks. I'm not getting 200 bucks worth of stuff. Exactly. Exactly. That, that that's the feeling right and that's a feeling because you know maybe 10 years ago that would have been like oh my god 
<laughs> but the, the game has been raised. And sure. so maybe talk a little about like, you know, break down in specifics what you felt like fell short with the value proposition of Bloodstone. Well, I think the biggest problem we had is, first of all, I thought there was, I think there's still plenty of content in the game to justify the price. Um, there's also that, uh, you know, the wood product has went up 30% in the last six months. And so the quote just came in much higher than what we anticipated, which then drove up what we had to charge for the game, right? Like that's just, there's some, uh, some back-end businessy stuff that we can't avoid. Like at the end of the day, the P&L, you have to make some profit, you know? And I think like, uh, uh, profit and loss statement. So okay. like when you, when you put all your cogs, your cost of the goods and then what you're charging and any fixed costs, you kind of math that out and you see what profit margin at setting your price would be. Right. And so when you start looking, I mean, most companies are looking for a 30, kind of like a 25 to 30% profit margin on anything they're making or selling so that you can t- obviously have money left over to pay your employees and your expenses, and then actually put some money in the bank. You know, and the next game doesn't fund itself. <laughs> it shouldn't. That's where Kickstarter. That's a whole nother episode. But right. there, anyway, um, and so you know, when you're when you're looking at it, you just go, uh, you know, this this quote came in much higher than we anticipated, um, and so the game's just going to cost more than we thought it was going to cost. Mm-hmm. But we didn't do a good job. I feel like because of that prior comment I was telling you of the way we structured the way we built the campaign page. Cause I was holding some content back because I didn't want to spoil things and it didn't represent all of the items, the actual stuff that was in the game. Right. Uh, and then, you know, there wasn't any costs tied to the lore in the world that we, the, the hours that went into the world building. Um, but you know, I saw lots of comments of like, yeah, James and them would just focus more on the gameplay and not this lore. It oh, would we'll get been to better. that in just a second. I just want to get to the value stuff. Um, but, but so, that's, you know, yeah. that's what it comes down to. You're totally right. That, that the value proposition being, I, I see this thing in front of me and I instantly assign a price tag in my head to it. And then when I see what the actual price is, I either feel good about it or I don't feel good about it. And that value proposition was off because no one felt, well, I'll say no one, the majority of people didn't feel good about it. And where do they get it from? Cause they don't know about P and L's. They don't know about the price of wood in China. They don't know about that, all that backend stuff, right? What they know is other projects, right? Exactly. So they're looking at other projects and the, mm-hmm. the projects that came up the most. So your game is a hybrid, right? Your game is a, a PVP arena game, player versus player competitive, and also a boss battler. Right. You have a you can team up, play cooperative against like a series of, of enemies. So then in a way, you're competing against two different genres. So like you have games like Arena and um, Super Fantasy Brawl yep. on the on the PV, like recent Kickstarters. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then on the PVE side, and this is the one I heard more than anything. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know what I'm about to say? Primal. Primal. Mm-hmm. So Primal was a big success for the most part. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest complaint that people have about Primal is like, okay, these minis don't do anything, but they're cool. <laughs> you yeah. know, like you can get big just give her half the price and <laughs> whatever, but it was funded and the value proposition of Primal, just for a relative sake. So like for your 200 bucks would get the base game of Bloodstone and the, the some, what was the expansion called? Uh, price of Power. It was, it was a different mode of game. Uh, right. And then a play mat, a set of five custom dice and the book. 
Okay, so th- th- as to a backer's perspective, a game perspective, they're like, okay, what did you just say? G- tell me the game stuff. T- tell me the game content, right? And the S stuff is like, it's just it's whatever. For Primal, you so that was two hundred bucks. For three hundred bucks for Primal, you got a base box with a lot of with a lot of like it's P- only PVE mm-hmm. and one to four players, not one to eight. So, but nobody cares about eight players. They want they want like it, it, so like you know Primal gave you all those enemies mm-hmm. and three expansions worth of like and there's two enemies each or like a lot of different content you got a lot for Mm -hmm. 300 bucks Mm -hmm. and so the difference between so what i got for my 200 bucks here versus what i got for my 300 bucks here it's like so like we talk about value proposition i'm talking about okay i just backed this or i just decided not to back this but i saw it now i'm looking at this thing it's like whoa this is a little bit lower Mm -hmm. so did did you get that like do you do you have any like kind of feelings about how i'm presenting that no, yeah, it, I mean that's that's exactly a perfect explanation. Uh, the market sets the the value proposition expectancy, right? Like when you see a a small dice game uh, at Barnes and Noble in, in a small box that's this size, right? You think that's a twenty to twenty five dollar game, right? So if it's thirty five, you're like, well, what's in that box that makes it worth the extra? Yeah, there better be to... gold dice in there. Well, there better be. <laughs> there's got to be something, right? Something. And so that's and. Again, as a reference back to Isaac, that's why Gloomhaven, I feel like is definitely part of his success is he had a huge box that weighed 26 pounds and it was a hundred bucks, right? Like he put a ton of stuff in that box. And so, you know, the value proposition can be skewed in lots of different ways. Um, For us, it was, you know, again, we were just basing everything off the quote that we got from the manufacturer that we would work with on several projects. Um, you know, some of the things that we're going to do to go back is we're going to get multiple quotes from lots of different other manufacturers to make sure that our, you know, we're getting the best deal. Maybe we find somebody else that can produce the same quality that we're used to putting out. But, you know, if we can save 10 or 15%, that moves the needle quite a bit on the, on the end price as well. Um, and those are things that you, you know, you need time to do that. You can't just do that in the middle of a campaign and then, announce a reduction of price. None of those things are possible once you've launched. And I know there'll be some people in the audience right now saying, well, why didn't you do that before? Well, when, you're, when you've worked with somebody for eight projects in a row, you, you typically find a, a, a cadence and you work well with them and you don't have any real reason to doubt them when they're fantastic partners. And, and we may still not, we may still end up going with them and just rearrange the content that we put in the game to get more of the type of stuff that the backers wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just a process that we, we, we actually put it, like I said, we put out a Google survey. Uh, we got over 300 responses to that to like dive into what these super backers said. This is what I want out of the, out of the next campaign. This is what I missed. This is what I think you missed on and those sort of things. So, right. And the super backers being the investors and I'm, I'm and mm-hmm. just to kind of walk back to them, like they spend a lot of time on the rule book. Mm-hmm. They spend yep. a lot of time on TTS they spend a lot of time mm-hmm. on the streams. They they like to, if you read Superbacker comments, they're talking about, what about this card? Uh, how does this card yeah. interact with this thing? <laughs> like, are you yeah. kidding me? <laughs> and I, you know what? That kind of stuff, it, it's, I don't, I don't shop that way. Um, what? Neither do I. I barely I, read the rule book. <laughs> I freaking love that other people do because especially during a campaign, it's nice to have people who care about the product so much that they're like getting down to that granular level uh, of deduction on some of the stuff. And sometimes they find things that you've screwed up on. And you're like, well, I still got plenty of time to fix that. So mm-hmm. thank you for pointing that out. Let me go back to work on that. So, yeah. and if somebody cares that much and they're laying mm-hmm. out that much money 
and they're not happy, mm-hmm. that's why the game was pulled. Yeah. I think that's it, the, it, at the end of the day. End of the day, that's what it is. Now, again, whether you believe me or not, you think it was I have a secret funding goal. I, I and I do, I do have the wants for the campaign to do as best as it can, right? And that is tied to monetary things as well, right? But it's that's not the be all. That's not the end all be all. You know, it's it's just one indicator amongst many things on whether or not something's successful. And I think you could, if you surveyed lots of publishers who go through Kickstarter, they'd tell you the same thing that the money, the the number amount of the money is not the be all end all. Um, so anyway. Okay. So then that's that, that brings us to the second thing that that super backer, the mm-hmm. investor, right? The quasi investor. It's a weird thing to say. Yeah. Um, that the that they said was that the game seemed to focus more on lore than they would want on mechanism. So yep. you you know you had updates and I got the updates and I'd see like a chapter of a book or I'd see a, a section of you know a piece of lore or something like that you know something that kind of you know built the world. You got we we talked about this in our previous show the previous show. Yeah. Uh, what I I know much more about previews than I do about autopsies. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know the so I'm getting the updates and I'm like okay this is all right I'm I'm learning about the world and everything. Where's the meat? You know you're giving me the sizzle not the steak. Right. And from well, a gamer's perspective, that's what a gamer thought. The gamer thinking, yeah, like, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, getting yeah. the, if I wanted lore, I would back the book. I would not back the game. Right. 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 Yep. Nope. And, and, and it's one of those things where, you know, we, we've had a lot of narrative in our previous campaigns Tidal Blades, Wonderland's War, Valor and Villainy. Right. We did it differently this time because of the book. Right. Um, and it didn't work. It, didn't it, it obscured the me- mechanisms. I think in, in those previous campaigns, I think of Tidal Blades, I, was, I didn't back it, but I looked at it. In those previous campaigns, the lore seemed to kind of flavor up and mm-hmm. like season the the, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. mechanisms. Here, it felt like it was, here is, it's almost like, you know, there was almost like a smokescreen effect. It's like, ooh, look at this book and the game is kind of here. Yeah. Right? And, no, and I'm I not mean, saying that's what that was intended. I'm saying that just kind of like in terms of the- sure. That, that's I mean, what was received. Jason, that's why we're sitting here talking about this, right? Because uh, right? we missed on the execution of that. And, uh, you know, it's, I, I thought it was one of the most interesting parts of this project that we were trying to do a, a real novel, not like a fanfic, like a fully signed by SNS, hired an author novel alongside the board game and because that's never really been done i put a lot of emphasis on showing that off because a i wanted to prove that it was worth its 20 bucks you know that you shouldn't you know to help us launch this idea uh and then to be i was just i was just really excited about it because i I really (laughs) like the lore and i like the world that we built and i've personally fell in love with all the characters as i've built them you know Mm -hmm. with with ari and it was never to, never to, to, because here's the thing, all the content creators who got the physical version of the game and played it, they all were backing the game. They all very much enjoyed the game. I even got one. He actually didn't get around. It was somebody that got the, the second trip around. I won't name names. Um, but he, after he played it, he recorded a video and said, this is one of the best board game experiences I've ever had. And, I, you know, for me, I get all teary, misty eyed, you know, I'm like, as a creator, like, that's exactly what I want people to, that, that's the experience that I want to give them. And so 
No, not at all. Are we, are, were we trying to hide or, or, you know, hide behind? I've seen all kinds of comments. Like I've read it all at this point this weekend. I, I went into my deep, dark rabbit hole this weekend of reading every thread <laughs> I could find on it, you know, and it's, you know, uh, they must not thought much about the game needs to be retooled. No, like we're incredibly proud of the, of the gameplay. That's what's yeah. different about it. That's what sets it apart, makes it unique. Like you said, alluded to earlier, we were trying to do something weird and different where you bounce back and forth between PVP and PVE. And I know some groups are going to say, well, we prefer one or the other. All I want you to do is get the game and try it. You know, it's almost like when you're talking to your kids, you're like, but you haven't tried the broccoli yet. You can't tell me you don't <laughs> like the broccoli if you haven't tried the broccoli yet. Now, once you try the broccoli and you don't like the broccoli, I'm not going to force feed you. I'm not a jerk. Um, but we were, we are and dang it. I mean, isn't that what crowdfunding is supposed to be? Don't y'all want people to try to do things mm. different or would you just Good like point. another Lords of water, deep worker placement with a different skin? That, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to like, that's why like I got so excited about like Sorcerer city when Scott Caputo showed me, I'm like, what do you mean? It's dominion meets Carcassonne. That doesn't make <laughs> any sense, Scott. It's that's for cards. That's not for tiles. You can't, tile build deck builder that doesn't make sense and i played it i was like well i guess you can okay right. then. so i know i get fired up about this kind of stuff but like no no, no i mean this is what we're talking this is what we're here talking about right i mean i be, don't want to indulge cynicism too much but i think we've answered the question and if, and please if, if you feel like i haven't represented the other side well enough then you know i'm i'm gonna tool this and talk about this i want to be able to kind of have as intelligent conversation about this as possible so please i'm open to feedback just as uh just as james is you know good on you for doing that um okay so then well and and this might be getting to a little bit of a wonky thing and this is kind of me i'm, I'm a lore guy so like mm -hmm. when we had the preview prize you showed me the video of like the you know the 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 what was the arena and the yeah, yeah, yeah. and all kinds mm -hmm. of stuff. I, I'm, I'm into that I, I felt like the lore the way that the lore was presented was it almost felt like i was giving this i was given the silmarillion not the lord of the, not the fellowship of the ring sure. i feel like it was a lot of proper nouns like yeah. and i had to kind of get up to speed on places and people and cultures and, and i'm like give i, I don't want to go into Silmarillion at first i want to sure. go give me that fellowship of the ring feeling do you and, and i feel like that kind of added to the idea that i was kind of being fed something and almost distracted from the sure. core me mechanical mechanical gameplay yeah it, it's uh you know a lot of it's just you you don't know until you're done at the end how to present something that you've never done before. And we've never wrote a book. Uh, I've never built a world Bible around uh, a, a product and a project. And so we had a lot, we had a lot that we could present. And, uh, you know, I thought we were even holding some back, you know, like, oh, well, but what we'd done previously with like, again, with Tidal Blades, Wonderland's War, Valent Villainy, is we had a running narrative from day to day that, that usually accompanied that day's reveal. So, you know, you're like a little bit of story and then here's a thing that's in the game, a little bit of story and here's a thing that's in the game. And you came back every day because you're like, well, that, that ended, on, it's almost like a comic book, right? Like that issue ended on a cliffhanger. So now I need to be back tomorrow to see what it was. Well, we wanted, at least in our theory crafting, we were like, well, that's what the book does. So we don't want to just show them the whole book. So we'll just do lore dumps. We'll, we'll hit them with all, we'll build the world around them mm -hmm. so they can go, oh, this character looks really cool named Kyrena. So what's her history? How did she get here? Mm -hmm. The thing is, uh, and, and I, this is learning it the hard way, 
<laughs> is people don't care. Don't care about that sort of stuff yet. Right now, once I've yes. got the game, I've played the game. I'm in mm-hmm. love with the game. Yeah, give me all that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. But that's not what you lead with. And once I read the Fellowship of the Ring, give me the Silmarillion. I don't know. I tried to read the Silmarillion. I only made it, <laughs> I only made it like thirty pages. So. Um, for people who don't know the fellowship of the ring is like the first hobbit or the first lord of the rings novel and the silmarillion was basically the world bible mm-hmm. you know like the and it's nothing but names and dates that's what it felt like kind of reading some of that lore lesson learned you know that again you don't there is no fail you win or you learn that's right that's right and and i, I still hope people get into the the theme and the lore and, and want to uh, discover it but obviously we're not going to uh we're not going to shove it down people's throats on the next go around, right? Because they made it clear like, hey, this isn't what we're looking for. I just need, people like, I just need enough reference to know what's going on and why I should care and then throw me into the world and let me play the game. And that's that's fine, you know? Right. Uh, we've got all this other thoroughly laid out lore and depth waiting for you if you like that sort of thing. Right. Um, okay, so then, so I think the lesson learned, right? I mean, gamers... We're not backing novels. <laughs> as cool as that would have been, right? As cool as and as cool as it, it will eventually be. Sure. You know, like we, it's just a question of okay, how do we jump? How do we dump these gamers in the pool? We yeah, have and, to jump them on this end, not that end. So then, Jason, I think yeah. another thing is is like when you look at the type. You know, Tidal Blades was so different. Waterworld, high fan or uh, like Final Fantasy, Chrono Trigger, Breath of the Wild vibes. Whereas Bloodstone is is very tropesy. Uh, high fantasy build, right? We've mm-hmm. there's a di- there's a dime a dozen to high fantasy, so I think it's a lot harder to get the hooks into people to care about the lore, um, right? In in that fashion, whereas people were instantly uh, just like title blades, yeah, tell me all about this. This looks amazing. Oh, there, oh, this character has a story. Tell me what it is. It was just a different vibe. And man, when you're a creator, you just don't know. You don't know what people are going to love and not love. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I am still extremely proud and excited to share the lore of the world. And I've got a huge arc that I want to tell through story-wise for Bloodstone. But uh, I also learned that that's not, you know, people are going to have to fall in love with it at their own pace, not at the pace that I try to slam dunk on the first couple days. And fall in love with the game. game. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, we had, like, I think that's the really valuable lesson is, okay, you know, lore is great. I love my lore, but I need that mechanism, that mechanical heft. Um, so let's get into the mechanisms a little bit. Sure. I think that um, so PVE and PVP. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is it fair to say that there needs to be a little bit more education about okay, this game is comparable with what you get with Primal, and comparable with what you get with Arena or Spur Fantasy Brawl, and you know being able to kind of communicate that like okay, this is a unique thing and i think it's as good if not better than some of these other things there's more need to be said on that end and like not just said but shown sure yeah and and that'll be that'll be uh, one of the center points of of our restructure and relaunch right is really focusing things around the gameplay uh we're obviously going to pull the curtain back and be like here here's all the bosses that you fight here's all the content that you unlock, like we didn't get around to it, but like the game is going to unlock a hardcore mode. So you'd be able to go back and play all the bosses again with a different set of mechanics applied to them. Not just mm-hmm. like, you know, decrease your health, increase their health. That, that, <laughs> I hate that. I hate that stuff. One less die. <laughs> One less die, stuff like that. Now, it was going to have extra things added in to make the hardcore mode feel like a brand new fight, but with familiar 
things from the previous fight, right? Yeah, it's very World of Warcraft. Very, very World of Warcraft. Well, and, that, and that's my thing, man. Like Mythic Dungeons and like I ran through all those. Oh, Heroics and stuff like that's, I mean, this game was inspired very closely from Diablo and World of Warcraft. And that's, again, that's why the PvP and the PvE were both there. Like those are both very integral to, to the World mm. of Warcraft chassis, right? Mm -hmm. And we had, uh, I had a vision from the beginning of fighting each other for fun, fast games, and then us getting together to try to take down this boss thing, uh, you know, from the early onset of the games. Like, but the mechanics in the world and the in the the levers, we call them levers in, in the design side, like it the levers were there for both of these types of games to work well. And uh, you know, it they do have different feels. And different people like them for different reasons. But again, I, I'll, I, all I can do is go back to either play testers through the TTS because uh, we don't have conventions this year. That's part of it. Like I didn't get to sit down and play this game with people at conventions like I would have any of our previous games before we launched and get that, mm -hmm. you know, face to face feedback. But the content creators who got it, you know, they enjoyed both, even when they're like, hey, just letting you know, I really prefer PVE, uh, but I'm going to play both because, you know, this is part of the right. deal. And they even if you still preferred one over the other, they all come away saying, I really like both modes of that. It, I can see that being in my collection to play with my group for this scenario or this scenario. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Um, so then retail should ask a question about retail. That was a question that came up with some threads that, um, which kind of added to the kind of like what's going on here vibe was yeah. like, okay, well, you know, this game isn't going to retail anyway. So like, why are you, why are you doing shenanigans over here? Uh, and, and a little, little bit of confusion about that, especially, and this is one comment, um, you're not like, this isn't a small company, right? This isn't mm -hmm. like, you know, like a uh, serious pulp decided to go uh, only for a seventh continent because it's just those guys. Right. Sure. And that, and they don't have like the, the backing skybound is a bigger company mm -hmm. and theoretically has the resources to kind of bring some of this stuff to retail if they really wanted to. Mm -hmm. So then there's like questions like mm, what, what's happening here. So maybe talk a little bit about that whole uh, thought. Sure. Process. Well, first of all, we, we, we went with Kickstarter only for a business side of things, right? Like, a game that has a triple digit MSRP uh, is not usually well supported through friendly local gaming stores or, you know, that has obviously has no mass appeal because how many Barnes and Nobles do you see carrying hundred dollar board games? None. And so it was one of those things where like, even if we had a retail version of this, they weren't going to support it. Right. And so we weren't going to sell it. So it just made sense for us to try to go this route and, and have people be able to have access to it here. But then we also be able to like not have to try to balance that whole retail version versus the deluxe version, which mm -hmm. then puts you in all kinds of weird positions as well. But, uh, but I will say that you can get that stuff on like a cool stuff or a fun again, the online stores, they do carry the hundred plus dollar versions. I can get city mm -hmm. of Kings. I can get gloomhaven. Whenever See, but I stock. don't, I don't sell to them. When you sell into wholesale, you sell to distribute just the distribution chain and then the distribution chain sells to those retailers. Right. Okay. So I can't control how many units distro buys, you know, I, I, I present them my game, they're partnered with us and then they set their orders. And this is, this is obviously, this is getting way into the weeds and the minutia of the industry, but this is a big problem that we have when it comes to forecasting. This is why like, wingspan why jamie only went with ten thousand units of wingspans because he asked distribution 
And they're like, mm, bird game, bird, <laughs> bird card engine builder. I don't know, man. I don't know what people are going to think about that. You know? So he went conservative and then, right. you know, it just went nuts on him. So um, you don't know because it's, it's super hard to say, Hey, I'm making a game. It'll be available to you to buy in seven months from now. How many are, do you, can you tell me today how many you would like to have? Mm-hmm. It's all like voodoo and like, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> predictions. And so that's, that's what makes it hard on that side. Um, I think I've, I think I rabbit trailed there. What was the actual question? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, this, this kind of like the decision to not go retail. Sure. And it sounds like it was, I mean, there are games that go to retail, like sure, the, sure, like hundred plus dollar games. So like saying that, that, I mean, I understand it's difficult, but it's not an unheard of, right? It's and just a big risk on our part as a, as a publisher, right? Because you still got to make a certain amount of them. And if they don't sell and they sit in a warehouse, then you've lost any profit that you made anywhere else, you know, manufacturing say 2,500 or 3000 units of a game to try to supply it to retail. And if it doesn't sell, then you're in bad shape. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to the fact that in my head, and this is where I can just talk about me being kind of stubborn is my vision for this was always this thing. Like this is one of the bosses is a skybreaker. Um, I wanted. Yeah. There high- is a podcast uh, version of this. So right now, James is holding up a oh, condor thing, vulture or something. Uh, this would be a dragon hawk in our world. Dragon hawk, there you go. Mutated by the bloodstone. So it's like mm. an enormous dragon. It's got scales instead of feathers in some places. So it's like almost like a real mix between a huge hawk and a what would be like a small dragon. Anyway, it's big, right? It's got a, right. it's got like a 102 millimeter wingspan. It's, it's a, it's a really big mini. So in my head, I built this world with AAA art, with a AAA story, and I wanted a AAA box of just like insane production value, right? I didn't want to make a cardboard version. I don't want this to. I didn't want this to be a, a cardboard standee. standee. <laughs> I wanted this to be. It's big, huge, nasty, awesome miniature. If you're looking at again, if you're listening to the podcast, you should look at James's voice. He, I, he is about as passionate about the the chicken hawk as he is about anything that we've talked about. <laughs> uh, you know, it, I really just, I didn't, I didn't have a vision for it to be dumbed down to get down to say like a fifty or sixty dollar retail version of the game. And I get to say this again. I, I've said this quite a few times. I was wrong. You know, I think that is something that we're definitely going to explore for the relaunch. Um, Having a smaller entry point for people who are on a budget or in this case, hey, I really I was really, really interested in the PVE. I never play PVP. Well, now if the game's only 50 or 60 bucks for that version, it makes more sense for you to go, well, I got part of the game I I may never check out that much of, but this is more in line with the money I'd like to spend for this experience. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, and we haven't, again, I've only had a couple of days to really reflect on all the things, right? (laughs) We're like you said, this is Monday, this went down Friday. Um, And so, you know, we're going to be evaluating all of this, uh, the way we package the game, the different pledge levels. How do we get the cost down for people? How do we get more stuff in there? How do we change the way we present the lore? How do we, we present our stretch goal structure? All of that is on the table. And I feel like that's the, you know, that's the right move in the situation. Are there enough bosses? Um, so for me, yeah. Um, how many bosses mainly, are, how many bosses are in the base box? 
eight. Eight bosses. Okay. And you can play them twice. Because right. of the hardcore mode. Because of the hardcore mode, but we didn't get around to, to revealing that. That was going to be a reveal that was later in the in the project. And then Ooh, people that was that needed to be earlier. <laughs> uh, you know, and people still didn't get to see the final boss. We had that silhouetted so you couldn't see it because it was it's like you think the skybreaker it was dope like this last boss is just stupid it's just dumb and okay um so uh this was another super backer thing they wanted to fight venestra uh venera yeah venera they want yeah venera is like the high priestess of the world who's who's running everything so like so so players were very excited that or not or they're very like agitated because venera was not a playable boss Sure. And are we going to get Venera as a boss? Is that did that did that feedback sink in, or do you have like other things up your sleeve? Well, the thing is, the 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 story has a place that it's going, and that plays into the structure of the bosses, and so that goes. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> I, how much of the story do I spoil? Right, like right. that's the part that sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but no, no, Venera was never intended to be a boss that you fought in Bloodstone One. Aha. Okay. <laughs> so then, and that's, and that becomes a thing was like, okay, so you had in mind some things. Now we're really getting into the nitty gritty of what you kept behind, like kind of yeah. close to the chest. Yeah. And from a gameplay perspective, and I'm learning this about games, like theme really disappears. Yeah, you know, like that. Like not it doesn't just like like it matters, obviously. But like when we get into the nitty gritty of like, am I going to spend my money? Am I going to do this? Like people, like the theme really does disappear, and yeah. they just want the full range of what's possible mechanically. Yeah. And so having this kind of like lore figure as like a culminating point, and not having that, you know, like l- not being able to look forward to that, that mechanical experience, because it promises to be like the richest and whatever, mm-hmm. like a culminating mm-hmm. point. It, it, I guess that was a like a, it, it did give this, that's not with the way, that's not why it just did not fund, but it kind of added to the backer, the super backer frustration and unhappiness that they, that you gave, you, you gave them something, but you didn't quite give it to them and you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's one of those things like, I mean, if you look at some of the bigger, um, you know, did did they beat, did they defeat Sauron in the very first Lord of the Rings movie? No, it took three movies, right? Like, sometimes yeah. anticipation is good to get a good payoff. But the final boss that you were going to fight that we didn't get to reveal um, is incredible. It's an incredible miniature. It is a manifestation from Venera, so it is like fighting Venera, but it's in its own way type of mm. thing. Um, I again player experience being one of our main focuses like that in fight once you defeat that thing you feel very satisfied because it's it's a big deal so but your initial question was was there enough bosses and and so we were looking at it as in eight bosses it's an hour playtime for each of those bosses a lot of those bosses you're going to need to fight two to three times before you can defeat them uh, before you figure out the patterns and the strategies that you need to implement to like find your way through. Cause mm-hmm. it's, again, it's dark souls, but not, not nearly as brutal as far as like, you know, you're not going to have a, we're going to lose nine times out of 10. This is more like a, you know, 50, 50, 60% of the time you might lose. Yeah. Like Mike Tyson's punch out back in the day. Like once you learned how, what E Honda was doing, this, <laughs> not right. E Honda. Uh, <laughs> e Honda. Yeah. I'm yeah, mixing up my, my games. Uh, yeah. but once you learn what Flamingo Joe was doing, you're, you're, you're good. <laughs> yeah. And so, and then, then you have hardcore mode, right? 
And then you have all the PVP content, you know, to play through all of the content, you've got hundreds of hours of gameplay there. So as far as like, is it worth it? And I'm air quoting for the podcasters. Um, you know, we thought, yeah, that's, that's tons. I mean, that's the, I mean, the other part is like, do I actually, I've, I've bought $200 games before that I've played two or three times ever, you know? So like, are people even going to get a chance to play through? I hope so. I hope that the gameplay in and the story and all of it kind of coming together makes such an experience. They're like, I can't wait to do the next session of this. You know, that's what, that's what mm-hmm. we hope. Okay. Okay. Um, so I think that's everything. I mean, were there other, like we, we were talking before the call about how like good stuff is slippery and bad stuff is sticky. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how that's mm-hmm. I'm a psychotherapist and I'm a CBT therapist. And then we, we, we talk about that a lot about how criticism just uh, sinks in there. Uh, even if you'd say 20,000 good things, like the, the one bad thing is going to stick in there. So was there uh, a criticism from either the backers or kind of a level beyond that, that I did, that I did not address that stuck with you. Wow. Um, there was a lot, uh, but I think we've, we've covered all like the big sticking points, right? Like the price, the lore, the presentation, those are the three big buckets that people, whichever camp they fell into, right. Is the one that they were most passionate about. That's what's so hard for a creator to kind of parse is because each of those three camps are very loud and very vocal and you can only fix and you can only adjust so much within each of those camps, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to move forward. And so, you know, will we get every single request that somebody made for the gameplay or the, or the lore or the presentation perfect on the relaunch? Probably not. But the hopes is that you, you've honestly and genuinely taken this feedback. You've applied it where it makes the most sense and you've made something that makes everybody happy. So. Or as many people as makes your super backers happy, your investors, yeah, so to speak, happy, and you know just resonates enough with the community where not that everybody likes it, but that there's that momentum you talked about before. For sure, that For like sure. people are wow, this ended, but where's the late pledge? And you know, like it, it's on you know, this person's top ten list, and, and then it kind of keeps on going from there. And it just wasn't happening. It yeah, and Jason, it that's, wasn't that's, trending in that direction. That's the thing that. I really wanted to make sure that I got right on this game is after seeing people's responses who actually got to play the game and how excited they were for the game. Cause I got plenty of imposter syndrome, right? Like you make something you're like, Are, is anyone going to like this? <laughs> you know, you don't know, you don't, especially cause we're, again, we're not, we didn't get to go to conventions and play this game in front of people. I didn't get any feedback that I normally would have all along the way. And when all the content creators who really, really enjoyed it were like, this game's dope. I, I definitely want this, you know, and uh, you know, most, you know, whatever. I knew we had something. I know we've got something great here. Now that's why I want the experience for the backers to match it. So that once this thing, cause you can, you can make a bad game once and, and, and whatever, but like it lasts forever. Like once it's made and it's in people's hands, there's no taking it back. Right. So mm-hmm. I had this chance. I had this chance to pull the plug and, and, and right. get it right. And that's just, you know, that was the whole purpose. You know, it's not a secret funding goal that we didn't hit. It's, <laughs> it's not, um, you know, it's not Jimmy Hoffa or any other conspiracy theory that people have dreamed up. It's, it's not because, you know, it, and it's I, just you know, yeah. mistakes. And we'll, I mean, we'll end on that kind of positive note. I think like people perceive like pulling a funded Kickstarter as a bad thing. 
as a corrosive thing, a thing that, that fosters distrust, oh, what, what, what is really going on? To me, like, I would love for Kickstarter to be restructured in a way. And I don't know if it has to be like majorly restructured or if there's minor tweaks so that, you know, the, the iterative creative process can be highlighted more. Cause that's the way real creativity happens is it's iterative and you gotta like, you know, do, 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 do. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you need to have like a, that big showing and then people don't like it. Then oh, let me put it back and I'll bring it back more. I, I actually, that's, that's how great things are made. Yeah. Right. You know, like that's yeah, how, sure. and that's how like, you know, if I put out an episode of a, of a, a show a pop, when I used to do the podcast and now I do the video show, like when I put out something, I want to be able to kind of fail at it and like them tell me and like, okay, I'll go back to the drawing board and then kind of release something. Yeah. But yet when it, when it comes to Kickstarter and the, just the, the, the way the money is structured in a way that like funding goal sure. is set up as this like ultimate thing. I just feel like it just creates this level of, I don't even know what to call it. Like, cause I don't want to yeah. call it cynicism because some people are, you know, they're really like earnest about this stuff, sure. but it's like, you know, I, I want to like, how can Kickstarter, and I know this is not a question you can answer, but just to kind of like put it out there as a thought experiment for the community, how can Kickstarter restructure things to highlight more that iterative process so that it isn't a bad thing that people pull a funded project. It's actually a good thing because we don't want good enough. We want great. For sure. For sure. Um, I, I don't, you're right. I don't have an answer to that, but I think the only I thing think I that's can, the, that's the, an, that's the question to ask sure. rather than should he have, should he have pulled it or not? I mean, I, you know, I, I go back and I look at something like no man's sky who that came out, you know, had a bunch of hype dropped. Everybody hated it. They, they, they bombed <laughs> on it. They went back to the drawing board. They worked their butt off. They brought it back and it had such a redemption arc, you know, and now it's, it's people just absolutely love it. And to your point that you were making, like, Sometimes you're making something and you just don't know until you get that beta test or you get that initial feedback and you're like, whoa, this is not what I expect. Just like my title blade story with Jeremy. This is definitely, I mean, I, I specifically drove to Indiana to show Jeremy Salinas this game because I was like, he is going to love this. This is like, this is like uh, uh, champions of Midgard on steroids, you know, dice chunking, worker placement, going to love it. And then, you know, he just poo-pooed all over it. And you are taken aback, you know, you do get punched in the teeth. And so this is just our teeth punching. And, um, you know, our goal is to, is to come back and make something that's freaking awesome. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Little guy. Look at that little guy. <laughs> you look at the baby. It's look like I'm looking at a baby. <laughs> like you're looking at one of your babies. It's like, oh, there he is. I'm that's like I, right now. That's the middle child. That's not like the one over my shoulder, the big deluxe box that everybody mm. hates the size of the box. Oh yeah. That's, that's, yeah. there's too much crap in that. <laughs> It's too, it's too deluxe. Too, there's never, a such thing as too deluxe. <laughs> never, Jason. Never. Not in my cat. Not in my vocabulary. Uh, deluxe or what is it? Overproduced. Like that's just called. That's my middle name, James. Right. Overproduced <laughs> Hudson. So nice. Okay. I mean, so that's that's kind of my my ultimate goal with this was like you know this was clearly kind of a pro, a part of the iteration process and we should find ways to try to encourage to me like my, i want to get like more games not less tattooed on my forehead at this point like i want mm -hmm. more mm -hmm. games i want better games you know all these like critical pieces are not for the sake of like pulling stuff or shaming people or i don't think we'll get what we want which is more games by that shaming process i think that we're going to get it by being like will being willing to you know take our lumps and yeah. being willing to kind of you know do this and thank you very very much for you know sure. being a part of this process this is great 
uh, and you know, working with it. And if there's cynicism in the community that is built up, then what can we do to actually go against that and like make the tide recede on that just a little bit to let let the doors in, transparency going is like this is what we're doing, and we're going to make a better product because of it. That's the goal. That's the goal. <laughs> All right, my friend. So uh, we are going to see. So uh, you said summer. Summer's the, the the initial target. Like again, we still got some. We're we're still regrouping. You know. So as soon as we get a plan in place, we'll make sure the community knows about it. And the goal. And so, like, what generally are the things that you, we can really expect out of the gate? Um, you know, hopefully we can lower the price to match the content that's in the game that everybody expected. Um, and then, you know, in the places that it makes sense, we're going to try to add some content. You know, uh, we definitely had tons of requests for more, more champions, more boss fights. So as, as, as much as say like the cogs of the project will allow us uh, the cost of goods to make it like we're, we we want to explore as much of the stuff that we can add as we can, you know? So hopefully we, you know, if we can pull the price down and bring the content up where you hit that nice equilibrium, that's the goal, right? That's so. cool. That's the goal. So we're going to look at that. And so lower, possibly lower price, try to get more stuff in there. Try yeah. To Cause at the end of the day, like I, I can't affect, you know, I can't affect the price of shipping. Somebody was like $42 for shipping is outrageous. I'm like, but <laughs> like that's how much it costs to ship. And that's with us using a fulfillment center that gets a massive discount. It's right. still $42. So that's a pass-through cost, my friends. I can't control it. I, uh, I want to do a separate episode on shipping, just shipping, because that's another one where people are like, what's going on here? Well, just <laughs> there's a yeah. lot going on. Yeah. And um, then, you know, the, the, the cost of the paper product, you know, we can't, we, we can't afford it. I think this is something we're going to start to see all of this year, the price of games creep up because that 30% increase on paper affects all of us making games. And there's only so much that you can eat and say, well, I've got to stick to my $50 MSRP on this type of game until like, well, we're only making 6% profit margin, which that's not a sustainable business model. So, you know, whatever that, that, that math has to work itself out. And also just foregrounding mechanisms a little mm -hmm. more. A little mm -hmm. more. So like yep. more bosses immediately. You heard it here first, gentlemen, people. Hardcore mode. <laughs> Hardcore mode. Uh, uh, you heard about the, the ending a little bit more and more detail than you heard mm -hmm. on the campaign page. Jason's pulling it out of us. You know, like, but the other thing is like, That's what do we want? That's what we're I just going to show it all. Time. We're just going to show it all next time. I wanted you know? it on day three. Give me mechanism. I don't care about Gluck Gluck from Gluck Gluck and <laughs> make me care. Make Jason, me care. what did you think about designing a character with us? Did you get in on any of those votes? Oh. You didn't. You didn't want to. You didn't want to. You didn't want to help pick a new character. Ah, oh, design, design, design. My my bane. <laughs> so that's a no from Jason. Yes, that's. A, <laughs> not that I'm against it, but I have a, a a dot 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 kind of like percolating in my head, design space wise, and uh, when I'm ready, <laughs> we'll maybe talk about that a little bit. So sure, for sure. Anyway, so this was amazing. Thank you so much, James, uh, for being good sport and being open as much as possible. You can make everybody happy but you are giving it the old college try that's the goal you know and uh I, again i know that we're gonna have some people that are upset with us because of this and uh, we just hope that you give us another shot and take another look you know and if it looks fair to you check it out you know and just look at all the stuff that we've made in the past you know we've we've tried to over deliver you know every single time and i feel like we've got a pretty good track record on that okay all right so this is jason reminding you if you can change your mind you can change the world so until next time hey everybody Thank you.
Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list.